The following podcast is an excerpt from Jennifer's new podcast called Room for Two. This podcast features coaching sessions with real clients who are working through issues in their emotional and sexual relationships. You'll get to hear real wisdom from Dr. Finlayson Fife, who is uniquely qualified to help couples who grew up in sexually conservative environments to overcome their relational and sexual roadblocks. The podcast can be downloaded and listened to at any time, making it convenient to access Dr. Finlayson Fife's work and insights. If you want to learn more about this new podcast, follow the link in the show notes below to visit the website and subscribe. On November 5th at noon mountain time, Jennifer will be holding a live Q&A to answer all of your questions about the Room for Two episodes. This will be held in the exclusive Facebook group for annual subscribers to the Room for Two podcast. So if you aren't an annual subscriber yet, make sure you sign up today. The couples in this series are not ongoing clients of Dr. Finlayson Fife. To ensure their anonymity, their names and identifying features have been changed, but their stories and their voices are real. Welcome to Room for Two, Couples Coaching with Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife. So welcome to the podcast. And why don't you just start and give me a picture of how I can be helpful to you guys. So um, we've been married nine years and my husband is a porn slash sex addict. And so I feel like that has definitely put an effect on not only our marriage, but our sex life. And like, while he is getting the right kind of help for that, I still struggle sexually. Like, I feel like I just have this mental blockage. Like there's a ton of ghosts, so to speak, in the bedroom. And I'm too in my head. And people have told me like, we'll focus like on the pleasure and like it feeling good. And I do. But then like, I don't know, like something always stops me from progressing. Like I've never had an orgasm. And it's kind of funny because people are like, well, how do you know that you haven't had an orgasm? And I go, well, how do you know if you have? And their response is, oh, you would know. So to me, it's kind of like, okay. So that to me, I guess is what I really want to focus on for myself is I don't know how to like get out of my head, like get past all like the thoughts and the other women and like... Yeah, you're putting it in the frame of trying to get out of your head. But I think what you're saying is you're struggling to be open and open hearted and at ease with your spouse. And maybe for good reason, but that you're not really in a position to be relaxed enough to experience full sexual pleasure. And so when someone says, how do you know that you haven't had one? I'm not sure exactly what that would mean. Um, You're just saying, I haven't experienced anything that would seem like what people are suggesting is possible in sex. Right. And that sounds pretty clear that that's the case. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Riley, I'll, I'll come back to you, of course, Tiffany, but Riley, what is your view of what would be helpful from you? So because of the addiction that I have, there's times I feel like my performance isn't able to be 
lasting. And that's where I would say my issue is. Mm-hmm. And link that to how do you understand what it means to be a sex or a porn addict? And how do you understand the connection between sexual functioning and your behaviors around sexuality? Um, good question. So I would say that I view my addiction or the pornography as it's a race to orgasm. It's not something to sit in and allow the time to be there for that person and to prolong that intimacy. Um, So for me, it feels like because of what I've done, I've made it so it's more of a race. It's not something that's pleasurable for a long time kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And probably has to do with some of the objectifying and things along those lines. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like in your mind, you are trying to get it over with? Like, are you racing or are you feeling like your body's disappointing you? Uh, majority of the time, my body's disappointing me. So it's not like, you know, sometimes if people are eating cake and they shouldn't be, they are literally kind of shoving it down as a way to both have it, but almost their anxiety about their behavior drives them to be kind of compulsive or frantic do you yeah. feel that feeling when you're yeah. with your wife uh-huh for me i would say it feels like this is a good feeling i want to keep going i don't want this to end and then my body says oh too late mm. okay well that's a little different and there may be elements of both but i think what you're saying is you don't feel in control of your body your body yes. is having or a different response than you want it to have. Yes. And in my experience, in my view, that oftentimes that's about handling a lot more anxiety than you may fully be aware of. And Tiffany's being clear that she has a ton of anxiety around sex, but it sounds like you do as well. Okay. Because the sexual dysfunction, that is to say, when your body's not doing what you want it to do, you feel too little control over your sexual responsiveness, that's usually that there's a lot of anxiety that is a kind of stimulation, even though it's not as pleasant of a stimulation. So anxiety in women tends to have a suppressing effect on orgasm and pleasure. For men, anxiety has a suppressing effect on pleasure, but can be stimulating towards orgasm. So sometimes men will either have PE, premature ejaculation, or erectile dysfunction that are both affected by anxiety. Or sometimes if a man then kind of manages to get through that premature ejaculation, then he may have the delayed orgasm that many women experience with a lot of anxiety. So it sounds like the two of you are handling tremendous amount of anxiety in your sexual relationship. And you're both kind of a matched set in that sense is just my first read. Mm-hmm. So you're both kind of nodding. What's your thought about what I'm saying? <laughs> I feel like I can see that. And sometimes I feel like I'm trying so hard to not feel the way that I'm feeling that that's why I just keep saying I'm in my head because it's like I'm trying so hard to, you know, focus on what we're doing or focus on not being in my head that then all of a sudden like it's just 
gone, like Mm -hmm. the good feelings and everything. And sometimes I'm just like, Hey, can you just finish? So like, this can be over. Like it's Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. there for me anymore. Yeah. There are strategies that people can certainly use to calm their anxiety and to kind of focus their minds, which can be very helpful. But it feels like that there are meanings operating between the two of you that need to be addressed. I don't know that I would be trying to get them out of my head as much as be looking at what those meanings are more deliberately so that you have an opportunity as a couple to settle down more honestly. So Riley, what's your thought when I'm saying that you both seem pretty anxious? In some ways, I feel like, I guess I don't quite understand the anxiety. Like I can feel that there's certain times I'm very anxious or things that may have like led up to before we became sexually intimate. Mm -hmm. And I can see how that would be like, okay, I'm already feeling the urge to orgasm. And so then it's very hard for me to stop myself or control myself. And so then I have anxiety issues about that. Mm-hmm. I guess that's just my main one that I can see. Mm-hmm. Or just being zero to 60 so quickly, it's just, it's hard. Yeah, to you're, I think what you're saying is you're experiencing it more as disappointment and maybe frustration than you are feeling anxious. I think what you're saying is I'm not coming to the interaction feeling anxious. Yeah. I'm just feeling disappointed that my body's not doing what I want. And I think that's very typical. I mean, a lot of men express that same feeling, but it's usually about meanings that are unresolved, that are expressing themselves more in the body than in the mind. Okay. So when people are deeply relaxed, their ability or really feel settled in their own skin, settled in their own bodies, they have much more ability. And if they're feeling that around their sexuality, they have much more ability to work with their own responsiveness, right? They're more able to kind of steer the car, so to speak. And a lot of people are carrying meanings. I used to think men in the clients of mine were much more comfortable with sexuality than their spouses. But I've come to decide that's not at all true. (laughs) That men are very similarly anxious. I mean, they're usually the higher desire people, but that doesn't mean that they're at peace with sexuality. Men sometimes express it more as compulsivity and indulgent behavior where women are more likely to do it through repression and distancing from sexuality. But those are both non-integrated responses to sexuality. Those are both kind of an impaired or anti-spiritual relationship to sexuality for both of you. Mm -hmm. I don't use the frame of addiction so much, and I can maybe explain why if it would be helpful it sounds like you do have a problematic relationship to sexuality and pleasure, Riley. But let me kind of understand a little bit better about has your behavior been around sexuality that's problematic? And where are you with that now? Tell me a little bit about that history. So I see it as like it's compulsive. It's it's just I can't control that part. It's like it always is thriving of like it almost doesn't matter who I'm with, I just want that interaction, mm-hmm. um, whether it be 
through pornography or the craving for sexual intimacy with someone. Mm-hmm. What's your view of what that's about? Like, what's the craving for? Um, I look at it as the ending goal, I guess, is trying to orgasm, I guess. But at the same time, it's also, it's one more notch in the belt, I guess you could call it. Um, is like, oh, okay, I got that. Now I'm, I'm good to move on to the next one or something like that. And I feel like maybe growing up that I kind of got that mentality from friends because it's more about the quantity over quality kind of per se. Mm-hmm. Um, is kind of growing up is the way it kind of felt just joking around with friends and things like that. You just never mm-hmm. got that full understanding of it should be more about the quality over the quantity kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So have you had affairs? Is that a, the behavior pattern of sex with a lot of different women? While married, um, or so while married, there's only been one official sexual affair, but there has been multiple um, emotional affairs. Okay, that's interesting. So you're putting in the frame of kind of notch in the belt sexual uh, conquests, but you're saying in the context of marriage, it's actually been emotional infidelity more than sexual. Yes. Okay. And tell me about that. How do you make sense of that behavior? I don't know exactly. Um, I look at it as kind of now as like a feeling of being wanted from things that I've done through counseling and things like that. It's, it's always felt like I don't feel important enough or good enough through relationships, through family, friends. Uh, like I'm just somebody that's there. I, I feel that I also deal with abandonment issues um, from things that happened when I was younger. And so for me, a part of that's probably coming from wanting to make sure I'm good enough or that it's okay kind of thing. If Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just give me a little more, the picture of sort of being the, sexually compulsive give me more of that idea are you talking about through porn and then one sexual affair did you have where are you getting the picture of kind of sexual conquests as a kind of a pattern um so that kind of was before i was married that it was more the sexual conquest kind of thing um i mean you just had sex with many people before you ended up Getting married, or is that? I mean, it wasn't a whole lot, but there was definitely the want for it. Uh huh. Um, so if probably per se, if somebody would have just said, "Hey, let's go go have sex," it'd have been like, "Okay, let's do it." Uh-huh. Like, but I mean, I never was in enough situations that that did happen. Uh huh. But sexting has definitely been an issue. Yeah. Kind of. Uh, sexting other people that you don't know even if you don't meet up with them? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And how many years have you guys been married? Nine. And has this been a theme throughout the nine years? This has always been happening. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So, Tiffany, like, uh, 
let me just ask you, why are you in the marriage? What does it mean to you? Why are you in a sexual relationship? I'm not asking it like you're crazy, but I just want to understand kind of how you're thinking about yourself relative to Riley. I really hate this question. Like a lot of counselors and everybody's like, why do you stay? And it just, I feel like it puts the pressure on to give a good enough answer to like validate, you know? Just to be clear, I'm not looking... Uh, I'm not asking you like, what's the matter with you? I'm asking you to explain quite literally how you think about it. It helps me understand who you are and how the marriage is operating. So there's a few reasons. Like we have two girls together and Riley is a stepdad to my son and my son's dad isn't really involved. And so Riley basically is the father figure. And so part of it is not wanting to, you know, ruin the the family dynamic. And then the other parts of it are like, I've seen him not be so into a porn and sexting. And like, I've seen him in healthy recovery. And I know what that, you know, looks like. And I know who he is outside of the addiction. And he's my best friend. and. To me, like, I just look at it as we can get through it and like our marriage will will be better for it. Like if we make it through all this hard stuff that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Riley, what's your view of yourself around your behavior? Do do you think it's Um, getting better or not getting better? I mean. It it feels like peaks and valleys kind of thing. there's really good times and then there's bad times. And it's um, through a majority of our marriage, there's always been this roller coaster that it's been really good and then really bad. And I guess in a way it's uh, can be the anxiety part of it. Everything too is, Oh, it's everything's going good. Where, where am I going to get left behind or just, more of what I tell myself. Um, what do you mean by that? Where am I going to get left behind? So when my parents got divorced, um, I had friends that were, that I was really, thought I was really good friends, like almost brothers in a way. And then they end up leaving and going on to do other things. And I feel like I've been left behind. And so for me, it's, I'm wondering, when is the time that Tiffany's going to leave me to go onto something else? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be the one left. I would rather do the leaving mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and so I, I guess I'm caught in a cycle of where I'll do really good, not acting out. And then mm-hmm. I will hit a point, something will happen and I'm not, um, being honest or truthful and will fall off and I'm too ashamed to admit it and the worst happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like what you're saying, to be honest, is Tiffany, don't plan on anything changing, really. That it's kind of foolish to think that it's going to get better because I think you're being honest, Riley, which is that this is a pattern that works for me. I'm not saying it makes you feel good about yourself or that you're at peace, but that it's a pattern that's very familiar that you keep repeating. 
which is in a lot of ways you're saying, I'm afraid Tiffany's going to leave, but you're making sure that your dependency in the relationship is as minimal as it could possibly be. And you're keeping Tiffany dancing around you and keeping her kind of linked to you by you being a less invested partner than she is. She's kind of like hyper exposed in the relationship on the prayer that you're going to be a different guy eventually. And you're really underexposed. And you keep that low exposure by going and getting validation wherever you can get it. And I think you're talking about that sort of what I think you and I would both call kind of cheap validation, where there's sort of minimal investment, minimal exposure, but you get the sexual validation or the emotional validation of somebody that, you know, you're kind of stealing the engagement. You don't have to actually live a life with them or really be exposed with because you can move on to the next thing. So how do either one of you respond to what I'm saying? To access the rest of this episode and more coaching sessions like this one, visit the link to the website in the show notes below. There you can learn more about the podcast and subscribe to it. Become an annual subscriber today. Annual subscribers receive exclusive benefits that you can't get anywhere else, including an opportunity for a free coaching call with Dr. Finlayson Fife, priority access to her live events, a free 30-minute e-course on creating a better sex life, and bonus content such as episodes and Facebook Lives. We are so excited about launching Room for Two and giving you access to more of Dr. Finlayson Fife's wisdom and insight. We hope that you'll subscribe, listen, and gain value from the episodes. Thanks. Have a great week.